0: everybody welcome to another episode of the legends of athletics podcast and you know who i am justin miller of course the same host every time because this is my show um but all jokes aside i got a i got another good friend with me today uh most of my guests so far have been great friends um and this one right here is a is a friend of a friend within a friend uh he's my frat brother um a, a young buck, but I'm proud of him. Um, a guy that's doing big things, um, in the strength and conditioning world as, as well as life, and um, that's none other than Dre. Well, my my work, Dre Ward. Um, Dre, I'm gonna let you do an introduction of yourself
1: and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll uh jump into it a little a little after that. So, yeah, uh, for all you all out there, my name's Dre Ward. Uh, like Justin said earlier, we're uh, we're frat brothers, plays the same chapter at the Mississippi State University, the best university in, in America. And that's where I got my undergraduate degree. And I'm, I'm from Alabama originally, but obviously moved off to Mississippi um, for my collegiate um, tenure. And now I'm stationed in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I'm a assistant swimming and conditioning coach for the football team right here at Cincinnati, Ohio, University of Cincinnati.
0: There it is. Um Yeah, and for y'all to – those that don't know it is the University of Cincinnati like the 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 big school um Dre um played he he has playing experience and now he also is has coaching experience and is gaining more coaching experience as the years go on um Dre how long have you been working in the strength and conditioning side
1: of it so I graduated in 2016 hopped right into my uh once I trained for the NFL combine and Pro Day and all that stuff, and that ship had ran this course. I mm-hmm. hopped right into – I didn't take no time off, hopped right into my um, first internship at the University of Maryland and in College Park, Maryland, where I was there mm-hmm. for the 2017 season. After the 2017 season, I got my first full-time job here at the University of Cincinnati. Started in January 2018, and I've been here ever since.
0: So what, so what made you want to become a strength and conditioning
1: coach, if you don't mind me asking? So – I mean, growing, growing up, I, I always, like, even even when I was in high school, junior high, you know, our coaches, our young coaches from in, in the city, they did a great job of exposing us to the weight room. wasn't always mm-hmm. the greatest facilities, but it was always a bench, a bar, and a couple plates. And we made mm-hmm. do what it was. So, it, my first experience with the weight room was always a great one. Like I said, I I credit to my coaches for being the men in my life to show me that there's more – that you can get out of if you just apply yourself and you know work the good things come to those that work hard. And I found there was no better way to show that uh than the weight room and then mm-hmm. transferring to my collegiate career. I um uh, I walked on to the Mississippi State football team, um, ended up earning a scholarship going into my sophomore year, and I would credit most of that with just me showing what type of person I am, my work ethic and everything that I had. During the summer training and spring training, and obviously mm-hmm. me taking that taking that seriously, taking my training seriously, and trying to become a better football player all around, it catapulted me into having a a pretty good start to my career, and obviously made me the player that I went on to be. So I would say that the biggest thing that drove me to the weight room was just the, the relationships that I built with my teammates, my coaches, and then just showing, just realizing that the impact that they could have. As a coach and as a player, and I'm sorry, that's my uh, co-guest <laughs> kind of in the background. But
0: y'all gonna say if y'all can't tell, Dre's a dad too. So. But yeah, I was just saying that my, that. my
1: my time and my experience in the weight room with my coaches and my teammates that's pretty much what drove me to figure mm-hmm. out, like you know, everybody goes to college and you you major in certain things, but then you just really you had to figure out your passion and your purpose, and I feel like I found mine when I was able to become a coach in the strength and conditioning field. There it is.
0: Um so explain um for those that may be listening um for those that may be listening explain what the job of a strength and conditioning coach is cuz I know like most of the times we get the over the general for most people out there that's not uh deep into that world you get the general um the general overview of it which is you know the guy that's over the weightlifting program but what what exactly if you could give a few details uh or the, is the job of a strength and conditioning coach?
1: I would say that our job entails a lot of things. Actually, I would say that a strength and conditioning professional, especially at the collegiate level, and a lot of times in the high school or the lower levels, they have uh, they wear a lot of hats. So we're mm-hmm. responsible for making sure, first and foremost, that everything that we do is in the safety and the well being of the, the athlete. We have to make sure that we don't do anything that'll put them in harm's way. So we have to be mindful and cautious of all the signs of everything that we see on a day-to-day basis. And just constantly just building relationships with the players to understand mm-hmm. that you know what's what type of day you, you can see just from the look of a player, whether he's having a good day, whether he's having a bad day, whether he's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Just from a, a physical standpoint, not so much as mentality, but just from a physical, just not make sure we don't put them in harm's way. So I would say first and foremost, we're uh catapult for the safety of the well, uh, well-being of the player. Next, I would say that we do, we do a lot of, obviously, strength conditioning when it comes to the weightlifting and the programming and certain things to get the athletes bigger, faster, stronger so they can perform in whatever sport they may be doing. And then lastly, just making sure that uh, they take care of the nutritional, make sure they stay on top of the nutritional uh, plan because a lot of times you can train as much as you want to, but if you're not putting the right things in your body and not get enough sleep mm-hmm. recovery, you're doing your body an injustice. Exactly. And uh,
0: I will say uh, strength coaches, for the most part, um, are high energy guys. Um, so you have to be able to give uh, give the energy to a athlete or a player in order to get some back from them as well. So if a player comes in, kind of like you said, like having a low day or something like that, it's up to you to kind of put the puzzle piece together to figure it out. And then to execute a plan to put the athlete in the best position to be successful, as successful as they can be that day. Because as Dre refer, uh, referenced to earlier, um, the goal is to get better each and every day, to 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 get a little bit better each and every day. You're not going to build a house in one day, but you want to build it brick by brick. And so adding that each and every day is going to build it and uh, create more of a solid foundation for you um, in the long run. Also, um, I will say that strength and conditioning coaches, as far as on teams, um, spend probably more time uh, – in, in most cases, they spend more time with the athletes than the actual coaches do, uh, as far as, like, head coaching and stuff like that. Um, just because, like Dre referenced to earlier, um, being on top of nutrition, uh, making sure that athletes get adequate sleep um, and the proper uh, – and, you know, the proper training. Uh, following the program as as best as possible, and um, make sure athletes are hydrated and and stuff like that. So it's a lot that comes within that. Um, and like you said, just each and every day, just being close, uh, married to it, and being close, uh, close with the players and coaches, working harmon- harmoniously with both of those each and every day is a is a big part of that, of that as well. Um. So how how important would you say a solid training program is for an amateur athlete? So an athlete that's in uh, playing Pop Warner or middle school ball or high school uh, before they get to the collegiate and professional ranks?
1: I would say that, I mean, incorporating a resistance training program, like, you know, weightlifting, powerlifting, just bar bench, barbell training, dumbbell training, it can be very beneficial to a young athlete. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you – like going back to what the first thing I said was you don't want to put that athlete or that kid in a harmful situation by loading mm-hmm. up. I would say that at a young age, especially, it's more of a technique-based thing. And I mean, mm-hmm. the best thing that you can do for these kids is allow them to play competitive sports. Because they don't get mm-hmm. a lot of that just by being around other, other uh, athletes and, you know, just having fun. You got to make sure that you don't you don't want to make it to where it becomes a strenuous, it becomes like a hassle. You want them to enjoy training. So I would mm-hmm. say that the biggest thing for you with like young middle schoolers, Pop Warner, I would say that you can incorporate it but just make sure that you do it in a safe manner and understand that their body's still growing. So you can't train a kid the same way you would train a, a adult. Because I think exactly. their body is still growing and you gotta realize that you don't want to stunt that growth in any way any way, shape or form. So I would say that the biggest thing with training them is okay and there's no no nothing wrong with training them. Resistance-wise, but I would say that you make sure that you put them, you always have them in a safe situation, and never mm-hmm. put them in harm's way. And the biggest thing is make sure that whatever you're doing that you can also have fun with it. Whatever exactly is making them competitive or any whatever you whatever you do have to motivate your kids, but just make sure that it's always fun.
0: I mean, and, and uh, Dre, you can tell me if you uh, agree with this or not. But uh, like you were saying, playing sports and being outside and being active are good things. Um, I think a lot of times, like, when I uh, think back to, like, my childhood, of course, it's probably different, a lot different than a lot of kids now. But um, doing things like, uh, like, not with the battle rope, but, like, uh, tug of war, um, pushing each other on, on the swings, um, uh, doing a leapfrog and stuff like that, believe it or not, those all correlate into actual lifts. Like, but those are, like, the base, the base, those create a base for the kid uh before actually getting into um lifting uh as i guess you say the standardized way of lifting and um learning the technique of a lift because with playing leapfrog and stuff like that you're learning to not only go into a squat but also explode um longitudinally um explode out like a standing long jump um exploding through the hips etc and um uh, you know, same thing with tug of war, you know, learning how to use those pulling muscles, those posterior chain muscles, and things like that. And all that, would you say that's kind of like helping build foundation as well?
1: Yes, of course. I mean, like I said, those are baseline, like you said, general things that kids do on a day to day basis that you really don't have to put that much time in. And that's considered like to them, you can make it a game, but at the same time, they're training, but they really don't understand the fact that they're training yet. Uh-huh. like i said like in this safe way you're not loading them you're not loading their spine you're not putting mm-hmm. them under a barbell where they never lifted before you're not trying to you know not trying to overload them before they get a foundation so uh
0: so i I just you this, what goes into what goes into making a
1: solid training program for for a young athlete i would say you would do it just like you would do in a an adult you would uh-huh. just conduct your basic needs analysis and see what what you're trying to go, like, what's the time of the year, like, is the athlete in season, out of season, what's the demands of the sport, wherever they're playing, and, mm-hmm. like, what are common injury sizes? I mean, kids, I remember growing up playing Little League football, and I, I would get hurt, like, spraining the an ankle or something. So, if you have a team and you're responsible for a team, you should be able to conduct, like, an overall, like, what do I want to accomplish with my training program? Just like mm-hmm. you, would, you would do an adult. And, like I said, I would say – just make it as fun and make it as safe as possible. There's no right or wrong way to do anything, but just make sure you're doing you're progressing and you're not jumping from point A to point Z really fast. Make sure it's always a progression and it's a reason and a rhyme and reason why you're doing what you're doing. And that's and one thing he said, if you if you don't mind
0: going a little further in the detail, um you said conduct an, a needs analysis. Yes. What exactly for somebody that doesn't know, what is a needs analysis?
1: So a needs analysis is just a basic overall what what am I trying to accomplish with my training goal? What does this athlete need to perform at the best of their ability? Like I said, you were taking into account the time of the year. So whether the athlete is in season or out of season, you were taking into um, the energy system that you want to use. Is the, is the mm-hmm. athlete an uh, aerobic player, like a, a soccer player or some a basketball player, or is it more of anaerobic, like somebody that can train? They don't have to go as long, but at the same time, when they're going, they're really going like an anaerobic type. Activity or what energy system are you using? nextly you will look at like what are common injury sites? Like, this is the knees, like female athletes, there, no matter for what age, females are more susceptible to knee injuries just because of how their bodies are made, how God formed them. Mm-hmm. And also, the last thing would just be uh, what would what are the demands of the sport like? Is it the sport that they have, like I said, they go back to the energy systems. do they have to run a lot? Are they jump stopping? Are they serving? Are they cutting? Are they planning? Are they hitting? Are they tackling? It's a combative. You just gotta take into account all that stuff before you con- conduct your program.
0: Exactly. Um, I was I would say too,
1: um, you know, this is
0: something I talk about in a lot of uh in some podcasts I've done in the past, um, some past episodes is knowing that whenever you go to a trainer, like I know we live in the Instagram era. And stuff like that so even if you're looking at like dre does strength and conditioning um right with a team i do more so a private coaching and training um and sports perform i'm a sports performance coach so it's kind of the same and kind of different in a way but not that different um it's the same thing i tell you guys like whenever you're looking for somebody to train you like if you're in middle school and high school and you're looking for somebody to train you privately they should have some type of assessment uh, in order to put you in the best position possible. If you just go out there and just start working or working out and doing uh, many different things, it's kind of like the spaghetti technique. Like you just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping for a good result. Um, but you have to sit down and, or whoever, the if you're a trainer, if you're a coach, whatever, um, you have to sit down and come up with a good solid program in order to meet the needs of, uh, the athlete and put the athlete in the best position. Now, uh, I know Dre works – Dre, you work in a collegiate setting, so you work with a team of other strength and conditioning coaches. But uh, for a coach out there that may be listening, um, such as a high school coach or uh, a middle school coach, and you have limited resources um, and you may not have the time to do a, a needs analysis for each and every player, um, what are some things that you may generally do in order – that that you think may help um may help them put put, put their players in the best pos- position to improve each and every off season, in season, uh off season, in season, uh off season, preseason, in season, and postseason.
1: What what's some things that you may suggest? I would say that you would do baseline testing for all your athletes. Like I said, obviously it's a little bit different at collegiate level. Like you said, we do have more hands on deck. So I understand mm-hmm. that at a high school level you might not have it, but I would try to get as much information as I can before I start the training program. You can do a simple thing as, I mean, testing their broad jump. Testing, I mean, not broad jump. You can test their vert. You can test mm-hmm. their baseline bench press. Hey, I would I would say that high school you can start with 95 to 135. How many times can they hit that? Then you mm-hmm. get a baseline number, give them working max, and then you can create a baseline of numbers so that you can progress them the right way. As far as like everything else, you can also run 40s. Like I mean, you can run like sprints, like 20, wherever it is, and just get a speed assessment on each player. And then you can see once you get the pre-test, the baseline testing, implement, implement your program. Then at the end of the year, like obviously you should have some testing days or testing or days where you test because you want to see whether guys are improving or, or decreasing because i mean at the end of the day it, like that's w- results of what matter exactly um so
0: what are the benefits of learning technique over maximal effort um when i when i'm saying that i'm thinking like i remember in middle school when we first started lifting weights it was all about like oh in my case when i first started lifting weights it was all about like what's the most i can put on here and lift it in whatever form or fashion and get back up with it or bench press it or whatever. And it wasn't necessarily, I didn't get into learning technique until I was in college and actually uh, being in a kinesiology program and learning these different things um, and looking at YouTube videos and looking at articles, I started studying technique. But I know when I was in middle school and high school, it was more so just like I was strong, but looking back on it, I probably could have been stronger. Or you know probably could have got better results if I actually took the time or had coaches to take the time to teach form
1: and technique over just maximum load lifted. I would say that like that goes back to what I was saying about the safety of the the lift and make sure that the players are always in safe in safe hands because at the end of the day, like as a young as a young pre- uh pre- percent, The kids are training more neurological things than actual body things. So that when we always talk about muscle memory. That's what you're creating at a young age is the technique wise. And before I would start loading, I would make sure that especially at a young age and a young level, I would make sure these kids are, it's not about weight. So you want them to get a technique down. So like you said, down the line, ten, five, ten 10 years later, they're not, they could be so much stronger. If they just had a great technique Mm -hmm. from the jump. Exactly. Um, so, how soon is
0: too soon to start strength training with a young athlete? Like putting a little load on it, putting loads on the bar,
1: loads on the bar. Like I said, I would stay away from loads until they can do baseline stuff. Like I said, like once you feel comfortable with, uh, if they can lift five pounds, like you said, you have some five pound dumbbells. If you feel like mm-hmm. the athlete can control the five pounds and can do the movement in the correct way, I would say you can start. And but like I said, I wouldn't just hop into place them under a barbell, place them under uh heavy dumbbells. Like make sure, like I said, everything has to have a baseline because everybody starts with a baseline. Like we mm-hmm. don't come here lifting whatever we where our potential where our max is when we we're born. So like just like that, you gotta make sure that you're progressing the kid in the right way and you're not putting them in harm's way.
0: Um and I, I'm thinking of it, I'm thinking now, I'm like, well, <clears throat> if you wanna just really know how strong guys are, like, well, look at I Dre I use you for instance. Dre, you how tall are you? About 6'1", six 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 one, six one. Six one, Wait, two hundred and what? Two twenty, 220, uh um, two twenty eight. Two twenty eight. I say when you were playing, were you lighter or heavier? I was lighter. Because I was gonna say, I, like from what I remember, you looked like you about two eighteen, yep. maybe two fifteen, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and Dre had, and in, in, to me, incredible numbers, uh, weight room wise. Now I know that took time to work up too, and probably may not have been the strongest pound for pound whatever but uh pretty pretty solid numbers weight room wise but one thing i think i remember seeing a video of you squatting one time and it's just staying real tight within the form uh good depth uh sitting back you know like all the things that a strength and conditioning coach would preach is what you basically put on display and um you know i think of it in the sense of looking at it like that and then i think of Uh, I know you've seen a person squat and basically do the face down, butt in the air, and then not really get depth, uh, lack core stability to handle the load. And they may scrape, uh, scrape depth, but it's more so a good morning and a squat put together uh, instead of being just purely a squat. So you're not getting the benefits of, uh, producing great leg drive, uh, hip strength, et cetera. Um, And that's just something I thought of off the top of my head uh, with that. And I I would like to ask you, I know I've talked about the Instagram era uh, that we live in or the swipe culture. What's your take on seeing some of these younger athletes um, when they're out there doing things such as uh, such as heavy tire flips? And when I say heavy tire flips, I'm saying like from our perspective or from our bird's eye view, we look at it and you can see the kid clearly struggling struggling like the weight may be maximal or sub max or heavy sub max load. Uh, what's your take on, on things like that? Do you think that's hindering the athlete or do you think that that is producing a better athlete in the long run? I
1: I think from a, a different perspective now that I have a son, obviously, because mm-hmm. as a dad, as a father, I would hope that nobody would ever put my child's, in harm's way, like that. Like I said, when I see that, I feel like it's definitely hindering the athlete. Like I said, going back to what we were saying about safety first, make sure that just because you're at, you're able to lift something doesn't mean that you did it the right way or you target the muscle that you want to target. Like I said, like you went back to talking about the squat, and a lot of guys do it in the morning because they don't trust their their hip flexors or they don't trust that they they can come about the hole. A lot of people, especially when it comes to squat, they're they're scared because they don't trust that they'll be able to get the way out of the hole. So I would say lighten mm-hmm. the weight up get them to where they're comfortable and they can get the depth and then you progress that way. You don't want to just load it up. Just say you're loading up. That defeats the whole purpose of training the muscle group. Mm -hmm. Cause uh, I know even for me, I mean, I can
0: use this as as an example. And I know Jerry, we talked about the uh, West side uh, barbell uh, method or conjugate method, whichever you you choose to call it. But I know like when I was in high school, this is, crazy because i i can clearly think it think to it and see myself doing this i had two completely different stance uh for a uh, regular squat or conventional squat versus um uh, when we were doing box squats so when we were doing box squats what i would do um is i would widen my legs as far as possible and basically shorten them shorten the uh the distance that i had to travel and produced um a greater load of course naturally with box squats you gonna squat a greater load but uh, substantially greater load than my conventional squat and when i would do conventional squat i felt comfortable uh being about shoulder my with my feet about shoulder width apart um of course my toes pointed outward a little bit and um that felt more comfortable but the weight was significantly lighter um do you think that 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 is something that kids should look at, like when they doing box squats and they doing uh their conventional type squats?
1: I would say that. I mean, I'm not really nitpicking. Like I said, I'm a coach, and I've seen so many different type of athletes. You would be surprised at how many kids have hip impairments. They that every every athlete is different physically, physi- mm-hmm. physiologically. So you can't expect that every athlete will look exactly the same. But you mm-hmm. have to. You have to understand that you have to understand and trust your coach's eye that okay, he's he he he, he doesn't look he's balanced, he isn't shifting one way, he isn't leaning another way, mm-hmm. he's getting the proper depth, he's sitting his butt back, he's keeping his chest up upright, he's not crouching over, his, his shoulders aren't going over, he's he keeping a vertical um sternum, a vertical chest the entire time, vertical torso, the mm-hmm. entire time. So, at the same time, like, as far as your feet. I'm not really nitpicking on stance because, I mean, I can't say that, that I've seen multiple stances that can work. I mean, I can't say mm-hmm. one, one stance is better than another stance. But at the same time, you know the, the things that you look at as a from a coach. And as long as mm-hmm. the athlete hits those things, and like I said, he's not doing anything to put himself in harm's way, I wouldn't knock anything as far as the stance goes.
0: Yeah, my thing is, uh, I mean, as far as the way I coach, um, it's always comfort zone. First, exactly. And then we can work. We can work out outside of that. Um, but you have to find your comfort zone. Because exactly. if you're not comfortable, it ain't gonna work. <laughs> I mean, it's just exactly. not. That's
1: why I said that um, becomes that becomes you trying because especially when they get to my my level, where mm-hmm. where like I said, these kids have been training for who knows how long from junior high to high school. Now we get them in the college level, and we expect them to train what eight eight nine years of yeah of uh training. In four years you're trying to change up a whole technique which we don't have a mm-hmm. time in four years you can't make a whole person lift a certain way you just have to find ways to modify it and correct them ways if they put themselves in harm's way
0: okay so I'm we gonna we're gonna uh I got another question for you we're gonna we jumping back j- jumping back in line should uh should more high schools hire certified strength and conditioning coaches um Jerry I know you're not from Mississippi um and I can only speak from Mississippi I know other states like Excuse me, Texas, um, Florida, of course, uh, California. Things like the bigger, uh, bigger states with foot, that are football uh, kings of football. I know they have these strength, these cert- certified strength and conditioning coaches uh, within the high school ranks. But would you would you say that? And in Mississippi, we don't like no high school that I know of has a certified strength strength and conditioning coach on staff. Would you say that uh, more high that high schools should hire? Strength and conditioning coaches, cert- certified strength and conditioning
1: coaches. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, like going back to what you said about the what you call the kings of football or the the state king states of high school football. Like, mm-hmm. why would you not? Every kid, every player, every athlete deserves to be able to play at the highest level and have the opportunity to be in the best ability and best shape and the best overall mind- mindset going and always be able to stand a chance against their opponent. Nobody should be mismatched. Like I said, if you have the resources and the Funds to get a certified strength coach. I absolutely recommend that you do so because at the end of the day, with the world the way it is now, it's so much liability, and nobody wants their hands on a bad situation. Nobody wants to be put in mm-hmm. a bad situation. And like I said, the more you can get somebody that knows what they're doing, that's certified and that specializes in that, obviously, the better, the more benefit it will be for your program and the players in general.
0: Yeah, I, and I, I mean, I think I think on it too. Like you were kind of saying, some of the benefits, which was my next question. Um, I think that you put the players, first of all, you, you put the players in a safer environment because I think about it like this from small school to large school, it's kind of the same. Um, when you have coaches that are coaches, their job is the X's and O's. When you have a certified strength and conditioning coach and they're able to focus on that, they're able to give the players more. Um, they're able to put the players in better position to be successful. And they're also able, like you said before, to give those players a chance to compete at a much higher level uh, with other players. The thing I see when I look at kids from California, I look at kids from Texas, Florida, et cetera, versus the kids here, I see a more mature first. Uh, uh, I mean, physiques don't mean everything, but I see a more mature physique. Uh, I see a, a stronger uh, foundation, more solid foundation. And I see uh, more complete athletes. Like it's not just a, uh, not just an athlete playing based on a guy given talent or ability, but also an athlete that's ready to take on the season. Because uh, one thing I look at as a sports, uh, a sports performance coach with uh, the clients that I train in the off season and watching them go into the season when they go with the teams, et cetera. uh, I look at it kind of like, I look at a line graph. So I I, I look at the baseline of where the the player or my player started uh, when the season starts. And then, if they can sustain that performance level throughout a whole season. Of course, you're going to have some decline at the end of the season, but it doesn't. you don't need to have a major drop-off mid-season and then create another baseline then drop again at the end of the season. A player's performance should stay up uh, throughout the season, uh, and that goes with, uh, as you said before, the sleep, the nutrition, um, and everything that the player's doing throughout the week to prepare their body and keep their body whole and uh, keep their, their self in good – fighting trim uh to take on the season
1: uh ahead. What what would you say on that, uh, Drake? I would say, yeah, like I said, that I mean, I, I have a quote that we go by here. It's just durability is more important than ability. Like if, if you yeah. have all the God given talent or the talent in the in the world, but if you can't stay durable and you can't withstand the the blows of the season because obviously like you play a sport long enough, there's some type of injury that you'll walk away with. So the more durable we can make these players, and mm-hmm. the, and the more uh, we can try to prevent injuries and keep them as safe and healthy as possible. The better we are. So,
0: would you say, looking back at your high school strength and conditioning program, would you say that it was sufficient?
1: Yes, I feel like, like I said, I come from the 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 coach was the coach was a strength coach, but at the same time, I had I had some coaches that had some college experience, whether it was playing or mm-hmm. just GA or being around. So they had an idea of how a true uh, strength and conditioning program should have been ran. So I would say that we did a lot of sound things. Looking back on it, I did come from a pretty good shrimp conditioning uh, based high school. So I will say that that did that for sure catapulted me. back so once I got to college, because I was I was light years ahead of like like I said, a lot of my teammates that were from the Mississippi mm-hmm. area that didn't grow up with a strength coach.
0: Yeah, cause I was gonna say
1: I was gonna say, dog. I don't
0: know if you know the difference. That's why Alabama win the, the Mississippi versus Alabama game on the regular. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I know, like looking back when I was in high school, um, the the thing that I would say that uh, our strength and conditioning program was lacking was training the uh the, the gold muscles. So the muscles that you don't see. Uh, we did plenty of front front uh, frontal plane work. Uh, we did plenty of bench, plenty of squats and deads. Uh, we did all that stuff but we rarely, if ever, did pull-ups, rarely, if ever, ever, did, you know, rolls and things like that. And so, um, you know, I know it was lacking in that department. And as far as changing the weight up, you know, doing things for speed versus doing things for power, um, you know, we didn't really change up rep ranges and stuff like that a whole lot either. So, um, not knocking it. I mean, because our coaches did the best they could. And I went to a bigger, a big school, uh, what they would consider a big school here in, in Mississippi. I went to Tupelo. Um, but you know, it was missing a lot as far as, uh, what we did. I mean, it was a cookie cutter program. Uh, I think it did the, uh, parts of the bigger, faster, stronger program. And so that's what we worked with. Um, but I mean, it, it had results as far as getting bigger, but I think it could have been some more added to it, but that's my opinion. Um, so what would you say for a kid in high school right now that may be listening to this because um, I, I have a few high schoolers that listen to it, a few college kids listen to it. What would you say uh, to a kid that's in high school going, uh, trying to have hopes and dreams of playing Division One football and they are allergic to the weight room? What would you say?
1: What would be your advice, I guess? I would say there's no way you can be allergic to the weight room, and think you're going to be the best player that you can be. You have to train and you have to like – I said everybody's not going to want to be a power lifter or a weight lifter, but at the same time you got to understand – that if you love your body and you want your body to be in the best shape possible, you have to train in a way that can be ready for the demands of the sport. Because Like I said, if you play a sport, especially football, if you play it long enough, there there's not if you'll get hurt, you just win. Because, I mean, it's just the, the constant strain and stress you put in your body and the situation you put your body in, you're susceptible mm-hmm. to injuries just walking out there. Like I said, so if, you're, if you have the opportunity to train and you have the resources around you to be able to train your body and get your body in tip-top shape, I would say Make sure you take full advantage of it. Make sure you take full advantage of it.
0: What's the uh? What what would you say is the intensity level of a of a D one atmosphere?
1: Oh, it's very intense. It's very intense. Like every day is a go day because, like I said, in college football there are no off days. When mm-hmm. there's an off season, we're we're training this. Like I said, it's my season, swim coach season. Now we now it's it's on us to get them bigger, faster, stronger, and more mm-hmm. doable for the upcoming season. There is no off season, so. If that's your hopes and your dreams and your aspirations, just understand that it's going to be a grind, and you have to prepare yourself. about prepare yourself like it. And if you want to get past the next level, going to the NFL or wherever that may be, professional level, just understand that that's when it becomes more of a business. And each and every day, you have to carry yourself. If you really want to be a pro, you got to be a pro in everything you do. There's no sometimes. There's no any time. There's all the time.
0: That's what. That's what it is.
1: Um, we're, we're we're getting close to the end of this
0: podcast, guys. And I think, man, y'all. Y'all have gotten a lot of great advice so far, and a lot of gems. And I like talking, to- Dre. I don't know if you like talking to me. I like talking to your dog. I like
1: talking
0: to. I like talking to to people that's that's within the, you know, within the same, uh, doing the same thing. You know, whether it be a strength coach or another sports performance coach, whatever. Because it's a subject that I like, but I feel like it's not very. Um, I don't feel like it's really taken off yet. As far as people, uh, more people knowing exactly what all goes into it and seeing the importance of it, um, I think a lot of people still see it as uh, as a uh, as a thing that you can you can kind of look at it as an accessory, but not a necessity. And I think strength coaches are a necessity in everything, because like even in women's sports, like you were alluding to earlier with the Q angles, the way the hips, uh, the angle of the hips and the knees, uh, they're more susceptible susceptible to knee injuries. And, um, you know, we have to look at that. And I think if you have a strength coach, you're able to to help female athletes as well. I know we talk about football a lot and things like that, but uh, women's sports as well need it um, more so uh, than men do. Um, And it's important for both for both both uh, sides of the athlete or both um, spectrums of athletes, male and female, to have a solid foundation. Uh, and not only to go pro- go professionally, but also to have a solid foundation in your adult life as well. Because even when you get done playing sports, I know a lot of people don't want to, but you should still have exercise and, and strength training as a part of your everyday routine. Um, I will ask you this, Dre. So is there a difference in training players for strength and size, strength versus size? Um, Is there, is there, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you so you can kind of give an answer. Is there a difference in that?
1: you says is there a difference for training athletes for strength versus size yeah i mean like they always say man size, size moves mass. so i mean the bigger the more i can get you to the point where you're i can push that weight limit but at the same time i'm giving you healthy weight like i said that goes back to nutrition you gotta make sure you're putting the right things in your body you're getting the right macros my, macros and you're getting three solid meals a day it goes back to are you recovering are you sleeping are you doing everything like i said if you want to get bigger, stronger, the bigger you get, the more stronger you'll be. I mean, obviously, I mm. just, but I, I, I don't want to curse on your podcast, but they say, "ass moves mass." That's how it works. You're right, cause <laughs> it ain't nothing back there. you ain't moving,
0: uh, and that's, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. That's one of the, and no homo. Like, if you ever want to know if somebody pretty strong, like as a coach, that's probably what you're looking at. What their backside look? What the backside look like? uh strong hamstrings strong glutes things like that uh you're able to do a lot and believe it or not uh for those listening uh i got this from doing power lifting um leg drive believe it or not leg drive matters um if you can drive through your legs and, and get some a solid foundation with it that matters if i have if you could choose one exercise i know we kind of going off and, and this this is still tied into what we're talking about if you could choose one exercise Dre. Ju- if you only had one exercise to do, what, which one would
1: it be? I would do the squat. It's the most intense. It it, it, it transfers through your entire body, and then you get the most gains from a squat. If you if you if you can only do one exercise for your life, I would recommend that you do squat. And that goes back to, like I said, it's a structural exercise. So you're so you're getting your bones again stronger, your muscles are getting stronger, your tendons are getting stronger. There's mm-hmm. get so much bang for your buck with one squat. Um, how
0: can coaches become more educated at smaller schools to get the most from their athletes?
1: More educated?
0: Yeah, like what are some things, I guess, some techniques that they can learn, like if you were limited on resources, like if you didn't have a lot of racks to do squat, bench, uh, things like that, what are some things that are, are something that you would um, recommend to those coaches uh, to get the most from their players? Like I know one thing that I, I – I thought about and when I was helping a, a coach at a smaller school um, was never letting the athlete, like if you had a group of three, like never letting the athlete completely take a risk. Like if you got one person bench pressing, of course, you'll have one person spotting, but having another person either doing some pushups or uh, some face pulls with a band or something like that. Um, it's, some, it's kind of an example that, that I could use for, for this, this question. So I didn't know
1: if you, you know. I would say I would say that I mean obviously if you can, the biggest thing that you would need in your weight room, and if you can at all costs get this, make sure you have a rack is the best thing that you can get. Like a rack, if you if you can only get one thing for your weight room, I would you can you can do so much with a rack. So I would say the rack is the most important thing. But if you didn't have a rack, I mean there's so much things you can do with bands, you can buy bands. Bands aren't the cheapest things either. But I would mm-hmm. say that, I mean, you can do a lot of band work. You can do a lot of calisthenics, like push-ups, sit-ups, things that don't don't require anything. Like I said, you just got to figure out what what your athletes need. and You should, I mean, at some point in time, you got to be kind of use your brain a little bit and just make modifications as need be. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, just get creative. Exactly. Uh, uh, what are some techniques Pop Warner athletes can do to get stronger?
1: Like I said, I mean, I was always – like I said, I'm I'm brought up in kind of the old school of the, the – you can never do too many push-ups. You can never do too many sit-ups. Like, you hit a night, every night you get a set in Like I said, like, every night I always wanted to do 50 push-ups. And then eventually 50 push-ups became easy, so I bumped it up to 60. Mm-hmm. It became a little easy, then I go 70. Like, that's one of those things that if you really want to be stronger on top of whatever you're doing, just on an individual basis, because, I mean, I know – a lot of the athletes aren't don't have a rack or a weight room accessible to them for mm-hmm. seven. So anytime you, if you just want to get some personal work in, and you, you're not accessible for those things. Basic calisthenics, those are great for you. So Jerry, I got
0: a couple more questions to ask you. What made you want to get? Uh, what made you want to get stronger? Like what made you just fall in love with with strength?
1: If you're strong, you're hard to kill, man. I want to be. I want to be hard to kill.
0: Hey, I feel you. I feel you on that. I wasn't expecting that answer, but I feel you on that. Um, is there a difference? I got two more questions for you. Is there a difference, uh, in strength coaching, strength and conditioning, is a strength and conditioning coach versus a sports performance specialist?
1: Yes, like you said, like you alluded to earlier. Like my job is more of a team setting. Uh, I coach approximately at least fifteen to twenty guys a day. So like I said in a, a sports performance coach, a lot of times you're working in a much smaller setting, maybe a group of max five, if mm-hmm. that many. Like I said, so the individual basis and in the time you can spend. Like I said, you might not have this time because like I said, everybody, all my players are blocked off when I get to train them. So I don't have to worry about mm-hmm. scheduling or conflicts or time conflicts. But in the personal setting, you have to take into account the personal schedule or lining everything up. But as far as the training goes, like I said, you would conduct I would conduct training for on an individual basis, just like I would conduct training on a team basis.
0: Yep. Um, and I would say, you know, sports performance specialists, like you just said, <laughs> uh, the groups are smaller. And also you also have, like, I also have an hour with you. Um, so my, my my time is not blocked off automatically. And it's more so on, a, you know, when we can get scheduled and then going from there. But the things that are the same in both of these is having an assessment, having a plan and sticking to that plan in order to get the most out of an athlete. Um, And plans do change for those listening plans do change. Sometimes Uh, you may be in, I know as far as my side of it goes, you know, you may be in the middle of uh, uh, working with an athlete with a four week or eight week regimen. And, you know, you may have a bump in the road or something that you need to change or something that's not working and needs to be changed. Uh, So just because you have a plan, You stick to it, but also have the flexibility to be able to change things that you need to change to make that plan work the best that you can make it work. Um, Strength and conditioning coaches, believe it or not, I've I've watched some videos like uh, with Alabama strength and conditioning coach, uh, Clemson strength and conditioning coach, um, Oregon strength and conditioning coach. They do marry footwork drills and stuff like that within what they do. So don't think it's just purely weight room stuff because it, it goes a whole lot further than just the weight room as well. Um, Let's see. So we're going to wrap it up. One or more strength strength tips for young athletes looking to get stronger, faster, and stay
1: healthy. I would say just whatever you're doing, if you really bought in and you really want to get make the most of your experience or your career and, like, you really have dreams and aspirations, just make sure whatever you're doing – you stay to it. You stick to it. You don't give up. You don't let anybody tell you from. Not even a weight room side. Just make sure you believe in yourself and make sure you're confident. But at the same time, going back to the your body. Make sure, your body is a temple. You only get one of them. So if you really want to be committed and be the best you can be in whatever sports you might be playing, just make sure you take advantage of every opportunity you can to better yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Man, I can't. I can't put nothing on top of that, man. Uh,
0: Dre. If people want to follow you, where can they – are you still on social media? Yeah, I, I know am. right now. I am. I know right now during the season it may be a little different, but
1: – Yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Coach uh, Dre underscore Ward. That's Coach D-R-E underscore Ward, W-A-R-D. That, that's my Twitter handle. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, I'm Dre Ward Sr. At Dre, D-R-E, Ward, W-A-R-D, Sr. S-R. Got it. Um – Man, Dre, you got anything you want to add, man? No, man. Just like, like wherever, whoever's out there listening, I wish you the best of luck and whatever you can decide to do with your career. Like I said, this is a great field to be in, and we need more people to make a difference in these kids' lives because each and every day, Not, I mean, I'm not just a strength and conditioning coach. I mean, I have to be a life coach. I have to be sometimes a psychologist, but that's what brings me, gets me going each and every day because I know that, I, I'm gonna be thrown with something that I didn't expect to happen, and it's gonna be yeah. my job to adapt. And as a as a coach, the, the greatest thing you can have is the ability to adapt. So each and every day, I know it's a new challenge, but I wake up with a desire to get better and make sure I better these kids' lives on day to day basis.
0: Hey guys, guys and girls, if y'all weren't listening, man, Dre is a a, a real success story. Um, I know we didn't really get into, and I, I man, if y'all don't mind, I might have to get you on again. Um, oh no, I don't
1: mind, man. Just let me know.
0: But we we didn't really get into you know your journey as being a walk on this that and the other and man Dre walked on and I know he got he played um his last year um and got to see some action I mean I know that's a good story um that that some kids that may not have the ability to earn a scholarship would like to hear and so um we definitely gonna have to revisit that at some point if you don't if you don't mind no without a doubt um. But, yeah, um, as I tell y'all each and every day, get 1% better each and every day. You can't build a house in a day. Um, do the things that legends do. Take the road that's less traveled um, and create your own lane. Do what, what you need to do. do. And you know if you're doing what you need to do each and every day, and i got to tell you, but do what you need to do. Stay focused. Stay committed. Um, and be legendary.